It's June 21st, 2009, and this is The Candid Frame. Welcome to another episode of The Candid Frame. Today's show is going to be a little different because today I'm not going to be interviewing a photographer, but rather someone who works with them. Nadine Brown is the co-founder and creative director of Brand Envy, a company that helps photographers and other businesses with marketing and branding. I'm of the firm belief that while being a good photographer is important to being a successful professional photographer... It's actually issues of business like marketing and promotion that inevitably mean the success or failure of many a photographic business. It's just not enough to have the latest photographic equipment or be proficient with Photoshop. There are thousands of photographers out there that can claim the same pedigree. Ultimately, it's about a photographer's ability to identify what is unique about them in their work and market that and deliver it consistently to a client that results in a career outliving the competition. So while today's guest can't speak to what it means to be a photographer, she does offer some important thoughts as to what it takes to have a successful career as one. So sit back and enjoy our conversation with Nadine Brown. Well, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for doing this. Of course. Um, First, let's talk about... um, Lost Luggage and Brand Envy, and tell our listeners what those two companies are about and your role in in both of them. Okay. Well, Lost Luggage was founded 15 years ago by my husband, Jason Brown, as um, an outlet for him really to promote himself. He couldn't find a portfolio that he liked, and he started making portfolios and found that he had a passion for three-dimensional design over two-dimensional design and has since gone the product design route. And I joined 10 years ago after we got married and started really with just developing his brand identity and his marketing, helping him take his product to market. Prior to my arrival, he was just dealing with one photographer at a time by word of mouth. So I came in and kind of spruced up the marketing plan and the brand identity so that more of the masses would want the product Um, and at the same time always did graphic design develop you know worked on annual reports brochures and hired photographers and a lot of them would come to me and say hey will you do a promo for me and can you help pick out a portfolio and have your husband make it and thus brand envy was born it was the perfect way for us to marry our businesses without stepping on toes. So he's totally in charge of the product design and I'm totally in charge of the branding and marketing side. And um, and we perfectly pick, you know, lift each other up. It's been a great marriage, really. What was your background before you guys got together? What kind of work had you been doing? What did you study? Always, I studied graphic design at California College of the Arts. And um, I went right from there into um, a design studio that focused on annual reports. So I'd always done that kind of design work, corporate work, 
and report work um, and was good at it and, um, you know, gotten awards and things because of that firm who was known for doing that stuff. So it helped me push my career along and um, continued to do that when I went out on my own. Clients who met me at different firms would say, hey, wherever you end up, you got to tell me. And I still have those clients today, ironically. It's, it's been very interesting to see you work. Um, yesterday you were at Art Center working with a lot of the students there, but I also saw you at Palm Springs talking about this. And this whole idea of the importance of branding, about creating an identity, separate from just being a photographer, making images, and how important that is. Um, you're working with both establish working photographers and you're also working with people who are just beginning their careers helping them launch for so sure. so what do you see as the bigger mistakes that many of these photographers are, are making whether they're just starting out or have been around the around the block several times well the interesting thing about what you just brought up was when we formed brand envy what we started to see is that photographers didn't care about brand identity so they would come to us and they go like, I don't really care about matching my logo on my portfolio. Just put any font. And, you know, there was this huge disconnect because photographers and I think artists in general think, well, like, I'm an artist. I don't need a brand. But And they confuse that with corporations. And really a brand is an, just a way of doing business. It's a way of people identifying with who you are and allowing them to understand your goods and services in a consistent manner. So... Um, so what I find the biggest mistake is that people aren't doing that. People aren't being consistent. And they're not following through after they have a brand either with their marketing. So they're A, not consistent with their brand, and B, not consistent with their marketing follow-up. So those two things. And new or old, it's been pretty much the same mistake. I think that these, these people think, well, I'm a photographer. I want to be judged just on my photographs. Right. I don't want to be... They speak I don't, for themselves. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't care about all this stuff. You know, it doesn't make a difference. People are going to see my pictures and they'll hire me because of my photographs. So what do you, what do you say to that? Well, you, well, first of all, while the proverb is true, you know, a photo is worth a thousand words, it's not really true with the amount of photographers out in the world today, especially commercially. So really, you have to deal with the fact that you have a lot of competition. So in order to put barrier to that competition, you brand yourself well, you market yourself well, and you start to elevate your, your name and your brand amongst those people who aren't doing that. And it is one of the greatest tricks. It does take you time. You know, the, the one you know, thing I do here is like, well, I sent out that promo and nothing happened. And I hear that all the time before I work with them and even sometimes after I work with them. And the thing is, is that it's about consistency. It's about being consistent with your plan and following through with your plan for an entire year and seeing what happens because it will pick up. And then you're building on that equity that you've developed and you do it again the next year and you start to see an increase in your business and an increase in your business. But it's not an overnight success story. There's no such thing as get rich quick, you know. So you have to just be be willing to do the hard work. And if you're going to go into business for yourself, it's going to be hard work. Some days are going to suck and other days are going to be great. And I think one of the things that's important to remember is who you're marketing yourself to. Because the idea that you're, you're the choice of fonts, the, 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 the play of color, all that stuff is serving the creative that you're trying to 
impress and to convince to hire right. you? Well, it's two things. So I, I, I also have to, it, you have to develop your brand to your target audience. You also have to develop your style. Like what images are you actually selecting to that target audience? And I don't, you know, photographers are really versatile. They can take pictures of a lot of different things. I hear all the time, I could have done that, you know. But really, you have to, you're, you really have to just sell that one particular style and be okay with it. If you're, if you're a dog and pony show and you can do everything, then you're diluting yourself. And people don't take that work and your style seriously. That's one of the things I was listening to another podcast. I think the photographer is Zach Snyder, and he does a um, a podcast in which he evaluates the websites of all these yeah. different photographers who submit. And that's probably one of the biggest things that he said over and over again was the fact that many photographers are trying to be everything for everyone. Yep. And it was just like, look, just focus on this in on this one thing, and to strengthen that because you end up weakening your strong work as a result of putting in work that isn't good as impactful and it's medi- and it could be even mediocre and you know i mean how many websites have i we all come to and it's everybody has people places things miscellaneous personal you know it's like putting everything in there and they can't get to the nitty gritty you know so really part of you know the work is editing out the, the mediocre work how much do you think of that is them either not being confident about what they're doing in terms of thinking of it as, well, I do this thing, but I don't see how marketable it is. And how much of it is, do you think, uh, it's them just not having figured out what they want to do? Well, I also think that um, there's been a shift a little bit in the photography community where it used to be that it was okay that you could do everything. I do believe that. And now it's it's more important than ever because of the number of photographers, I, you know, that um, you have a, a really honed style. And I think the more successful ones do. It's very, it's evident in their work. It's evident in their website. It's evident in their client list. So, um, what, go back to your question. No, I, you know, I'm just wondering um, whether the issue is the fact that People just have no clear idea of what they of what they want to do, and and you know when people they're, come to you, no, it's more that they're scared. Okay, it's scared that oh, but I could turn away a job. Mm. Well, you're not getting the job, so really, have you turned it away, or have you have have they you know oh, just overlooked you because they feel like the work's too mediocre? They don't see the juice. They don't get the meat. Yeah. The essence of what it is. If if you are a catalog photographer, that's what you are. If you're an ad guy and you have a particular style, that's what you are. If you're a fashion photographer, that's what you are. So be very clear about that. But even within that, every photographer that I've worked with, every photographer has their own style. There's, you know, we all have, you know, our own fingerprints, and we all have our own way of seeing the world. And each, you know, so really everybody can hone that. One of the things you were, we were talking about is like knowing who your audience is, knowing who your client base is. And I think that's one of the things I try to teach my students in terms of research who these people are. Don't look at just, oh, I want to work for Vogue magazine or I want to work for The Fader. It's like, no, the, these magazines are put together by individuals and people. And the more you get to know about these people, 
then you're talking about building a relationship with an individual who yeah. has an aesthetic, who has an idea. Absolutely. So when, when photographers are coming to you and they're saying, okay, I want you to impact my brand, how much of your work with them involves you asking them who they're? their clients are and how much is involved in terms of that a lot of it and a lot um it's it's not only who their clients are because they have a particular aesthetic each different client base um it's also who their competitors are so we have to research to those two things because you you have to understand your differentiating factors from your competition and everybody has competition and i'm sure every photographer hears it over and over again oh yeah i'm bidding against so and so you know that's pretty common. So understanding what makes you unique and different rather than just being put in a bucket against so-and-so is one of the, the keys. And understanding your target audience and what and what they actually respond to. You know, what... And, and it, you can look at the brands that they purchase. You can look at the world that they like to be a part of when they're not in work and they're not controlling brands or ads or magazine layouts as a way to identify where your brand should go. One of the things that's been real big is just how the internet and the multimedia has completely changed the way photographers get out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, We've spent a lot of time yesterday talking about websites, but I'm curious as to your take on photographers using blogs, podcasts, you know, multimedia. I I think it's great. Here's my thing about the internet. It's, it's, Huge! It gets your name out there. Um, it um, it sometimes scares photographers because of the whole usage right thing and the copyright thing. But it's more important, especially with the masses of photographers, and I can't keep reiterating this, that you get your name out there as many avenues as you can. So, so if you're going to have a Twitter page, and I follow a lot of photographer Twitters, they all Twitter about the photo shoot or the, you know, I don't want to know that about you. I want to know who you are. I'm going to follow you because I get to understand who you are. Mm. You know? So make it a business thing, but make it personal so that I feel like your arm's around me and I'm included in your club. You know? So, and the same with the blog. You know, give me a reason to want to read it, not just a rant about this particular piece of equipment. You know? Right. Right? So, um, and, and... And, and give me some insight into why you're successful, you know, so that even your peers might want to read it, you know, because I don't believe that, um, I believe that people are, if they're scared, they don't tell people how they've done it. But I don't, I think everything's pretty formulaic. I really think if you follow a brand and a marketing plan, you're going to get work. So nobody can repeat what somebody else did. So it's okay. Just talk about it think a great example of that chase jarvis has a blog he just puts it all out there mm-hmm. and he's very confident like i put it all out there and i know that each one of those people can't replicate exactly who i am right right so it's a part of it's a confidence thing yeah and part of what he says is that he knows that there are going to be people who will copy what he's doing but by that time he's already moved on to, moved something, on else. to something else so and, and it's a difference in um it's a generation difference too that I've found that um, that the younger photographers 
are more inclined to use technology right now and not be scared of all these different avenues and see it as an asset to their business. Mm -hmm. And older photographers, I've found, are a little more scared of it and feel like they're giving away too many secrets. Okay. You know? And so um, um, it's not always the case, but I do find that. And um, I think that um, people just have to, again, be confident, let go, you know, understand that if they follow their plan, it's going to work for them. And it's okay to share with the world. It really is. Yeah, and let's talk about this whole idea of planning because I think that's really essential. I think most photographers are just thinking from month to month. Yeah. You know, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay, i got to pay, you know, the mortgage and, right. you know, the, all this other stuff. And they go, you know, as long as I'm trying to meet my numbers for the quarter, I'm, I'm okay. But I think part of what you're doing is not only having them plan over the course of the year, particularly with their promotion and marketing, but you're, you're asking them to go, where do you want to be and what's the plan for right. that? And, and I do ask my photographers to give me a really basic idea of where they are today, where they see themselves in two years, and where they see themselves in five years. Because hopefully the marketing plan is going to help fill in those gaps. And, um, and it's not enough to just reach your numbers for your your daily living because if you don't market yourself you're not going to have that income Mm -hmm. so you have to consider part of your monthly goal your budget for your marketing plan it has to be there and if you don't have a marketing plan what i find happens more often than not is oh well i don't have anything going on i might as well send out a promo and so it happens really sporadically and Mm -hmm. it has no impact so, again, consistency is the key to marketing. Getting in front of people in a consistent, regular manner, they will start to notice you. That's one of the things I, I kind of press on is he says the FaceTime is makes all the difference in the world. You can send out the promos, you can make the cold calls, but if you're not actually getting into a room and someone has, a put, has an opportunity to put a face to the work, then it's almost a moot, a moot point. But... Photographers are notorious for not being the most capable speakers, particularly yes. about themselves right. and their work. So when you have a photographer that you're meeting who has exceptional work and you're working with them in terms of their branding, what do you do with someone who may not be completely comfortable with being up the personality? Because brand oftentimes is as much about personality yeah. as it is the collateral material. You know... So, and it's one of the things that I tried to stress in the class last night, um, especially to students, is that you can have the most beautiful work out there, but if you're not professional, if you can't conduct business, you're not going to end up having a successful commercial career because this is business-to-business interaction. So you have to really, if you have to, hire someone to help you talk in public. You know, do, you know there's lots of avenues to teach you how to be in front of people and how to be comfortable. If you're not comfortable, hire a studio manager who can do it for you, who can have those phone calls, who can send out those bids, and so that you can be behind the scenes. But figure out where your weakness is and figure out a solution to overcome that so that you have a successful career. With your work helping all these photographers in terms of branding, I'm wondering how has your perception of photography changed? Or your appreciation of photography changed as a result More of you working appreciation there. for photography. How so? Uh, well, I, I don't think I was very sophisticated. I mean, I, I worked with great photographers, so I don't want to put any of them down, who I still think are amazing. But I don't think that I was sophisticated in understanding exactly what they did to get that image. Now I feel like I have an understanding of it. 
and I have a, a greater understanding of how images should be together on a page, and I have a greater understanding of what image is sellable and what isn't. So th those nuances that you just can't teach anybody, and I was taught by people like Suzanne Cease and Amanda Sosa Stone how to see that stuff. That didn't come to me just out of the blue because I understood branding. So, yeah. Well, that question of what image is sellable is probably the biggest question most photographers have, which is one of the reasons why, you know, their, their websites or their books are a hodgepodge. Right. So how do you, how does a photographer look at their own work, which is always difficult and discern? They hire somebody to help them. Always. They're always too close to it. And I, I get it all the time where I've encouraged them to work with somebody to help them with that process. And they come back to me. I wouldn't say all the time, but every once in a while they'll come back to me and go like, I don't like what they did. I don't get that at all. Mm. Because they have such an ego attached to the images that they've, that they've taken that they can't imagine that someone's spin on it, is, it would work for them. And in fact, they don't even give it a shot. And, mm. you know, just try it. Just see. I wouldn't ask you to do this if I didn't believe it was true. Yeah. You know, and, and if you're hiring me, and, I, and I, I try to be really honest, really straightforward. I try to be their number one advocate. Um, and I want to give them these avenues so for their success. Because I don't have every answer, so I often try to team my work up, my branding experience with um, a couple of different consultants, which I mentioned was Suzanne Cease and Amanda Sosa Stone. And, um, and I found the team experience and the fact that they were art buyers or worked in ad agencies and have other backgrounds helps round out the process. Yeah. Where I was an art buyer, but only from a graphic design perspective. Totally different than ads, you know? So I don't have that ad experience, and I don't want to say, hey, I can help you sell anything, yeah. you know? I can help you brand anything. I understand what ad guys want to see, but I can't say for sure that that image would be used for a particular ad. Mm. So, so walk us through the process of when you're working with a photographer. You mentioned at first initially researching the competition and mm -hmm. researching you know, who their clients are, but what's the whole process? So a photographer comes to you, they've been in business for X number of years, they have a website, um, they have promos that have sent out, they, they may have some letterhead, they may even have a, a logo of some sort, but they come to you and they say, Okay, help me. I want to do something different. So what's the whole process? We start with a consultation. And that consultation has to include competitor sites that I've been given in advance of it so that I can come back with information about that during the consultation. And my feedback um, happens to them over the phone. This is what you need to do based on each of these areas. And it's also a, a, a gathering of, for me to understand design-wise, what they gravitate towards. Because it's enough, you know, their competition and their target audience, great. I can figure out what I think they should do, but if I don't know who they are, they're not going to like the design. You know, sometimes they don't. It doesn't always work out that mm -hmm. they end up staying, you know, completing with me because the style might not work. But, um, yeah, so we do that. And then we, um, and, and then I give them a proposal for what they need to do. And I typically do it um, as a la carte pieces because sometimes photographers can't afford to do every single piece. So they'll say, can we start with this? And mm -hmm. often it's okay. And for photographers who can't afford the really high-end brand, I developed a line called Be by Brand Envy. Of, um, it's, I wouldn't say pre-designed solutions, but we've limited the number of fonts and the number of colors. 
and we've made it real typographic based so that every photographer can have a nice identity. Okay. Any student can walk out the door with an identity and we'll take it to a, a website template. We'll help them really look professional all the way through and it's a great holding place. I think it really does elevate them so they're not going off to X website template company and their designer doing something and then going to over here to their friend to do a business card and then over here to get a portfolio and then again hodgepodging it together and it doesn't look professional. Mm-hmm. So um, either way we're trying to offer solutions but there are going to be photographers who will come to me and I'll be like they'll say well I was looking at that B by brand and I'll say you can't do it I'll be really honest with you your your career and where you are in your in your life you can't have that you need to go here you know so I, I, I'd be you know doing a disservice by taking that money and saying sure have that yeah. I don't really care so I try to be Again, their advocate, no matter which direction for them, and um, and then hopefully, um, my ideal client is that they come in and, and we first work on an identity, and then we work on a marketing plan, and create a promo, and we actually create and mail the promos for them, based on a particular schedule. Okay. Because it's more cost effective to print multiple promos up at the same time, and. Um, so our client saves money. And then a client who has us do that typically is too busy to actually manage the mailings themselves, so we help them manage it. Yeah. So the whole idea is that marketing's happening so that you can do what you're supposed to do, which is take pictures. And one of the things that I learned from you, um, Palm Springs, was the importance of the email blast, which is something I hadn't considered today. Um, uh, how, how big of a role are they... Are they playing it? And you may want to explain to some listeners what they actually what they actually are. But how big of a role are they playing in, in today's photographers' marketing and promotion? I think um, so. E-blasts are quite popular, and what e-blasts are is basically an electronic postcard. And for anybody who's making it more than that, like a newsletter or something, they're wasting their time. But it should just be an electronic postcard. It's gotten to the point where e-blasts are too prolific in a way that I tell my clients it's important to do because it's a standard in what is happening out there. But don't do it every month. Let's go every other month. Let's be one of those more respectful people so it does feel like a marketing piece. Mm-hmm. you know. But I think that, again, it's that Internet thing. It's a way of conducting business now. It's a way of being out there. You want to touch people from as many points as possible so that they become part of the brand that you've put out there. Yeah. So it's just another touch point, as I call it. It was interesting when you had on the table the uh, the promos. Yeah. And you had the promos that you thought were great, and there was this big pile of just terrible promos. And it was, it was amazing how obvious it was that they were bad. Yeah. You know? I mean, there were ones that, that I know me and Everard, we just immediately gravitated to. Yeah. You know, and we thought, oh, these, this is really cool. This is this is special. Yeah. And then these other ones where you were just embarrassed. Right. And and it was on purpose because, you know, the students came in, and I even heard them in advance going, look at my promo I had printed. It was only 90 bucks. It's a postcard. And everyone's like, cool, what was the company? And they're all jotting it down. And I sat down when we did the promo thing, and I said, yeah, postcard's not a promo. Here's why. And I had a pile of these either crappy promos or, uh, in my opinion, crappy postcards. A postcard doesn't do it at all. It feels like a coupon that you get from your grocery and you have a discount on your yogurt. Or, you know, it just doesn't elevate what is art. 
it doesn't elevate that anymore. And especially to people who are interested in beautiful printing and who like design, that's just, it's a no-no. Yeah. And, and not only did we have that, we had examples of bad books, you know, cheap binding at Kinko's with bad color copies and ugly little hang tags for Christmas with raffia that's just couldn't even see the photographer's name and not even get that that's a promo. Or um, there was an envelope name will remain anonymous that was white. And this came from an art buyer to me. And um, they put a sticky note on it and they said, why bother opening it? They never opened it because they couldn't tell what it was. Mm. Had an address and a two and that was it. They didn't even open it. And they're getting masses of promos. They get masses of e-blasts. Your piece, if it's special, they keep it. They really do. And they save it. And they use it. And they remember it. And they pull it out, especially art buyers, when their creative says, I need blah, blah, blah. And they go to their archives and they find it. Mm -hmm. So, And it was amazing to see how sometimes the enclosure was an announcement of something special being inside, yeah. even before you take a, opened it up and took a look yeah. at the photograph that was inside. Yeah. I saw a couple examples where the, the, the envelope, the thing that was holding it, made me look go, oh, what's this? Yeah. And that it's special, that someone really cared and took time and energy to do it. Because it seems like they're putting a value to their work. Right. And saying, this is something that's is unique, it's special, and I want to share it with you. And I rather. value you to share it with you because I spent a lot of money on it. Right. So it's a it's a way of giving a good handshake, you know, without having ever seen somebody and be able to look them in the eye. And you can't do this for thousands of people. You You're can't. doing this for a select a select group of people. Absolutely. You can't say I could work for anybody in the world. You know, it's not true. Again, you have to know your style, and that style fits a particular target audience. You know, and then you have your dream list from that target audience. So mm -hmm. be selective of how you, you know, go about doing that mailing. In terms of, um, you're, you're talking a little bit about pursuing editorial work as opposed to, you know, pursuing commercial work or advertising work. Um, Especially for students. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about that, particularly for people who are sort of starting out. I mean, a lot of people would like to be shooting for advertising, but especially now because the editorial market is changing so is much changing. because of the economy. and But it's going online. People are still going to take pictures and use them. They're just going to use them in different ways. And I think there's going to be more um, motion photography because of the online movement. Mm -hmm. And that's something that photographers need to be aware of. Just the still image, won't it won't be used in the same way as much anymore. Yeah, there'll still be billboards and there'll be some things, but it won't be, you know, it won't be as prolific because magazines aren't as popular. Newspapers are going by the wayside. Mm -hmm. So, um, but the truth is, is also because magazines magazines don't have a lot of money to or to pay for the for the pictures for a particular article. So what I, what I recommend to students is like, they're willing to take a chance. Put it out there. Find periodicals that you feel like your work meshes with and send them information about yourself. And they're more likely to just go to your website and say like, and call you up and say like, hey, or send you an email. Mm -hmm. Hey, I got this. 
you know, is there a way you could give me a bid or could you do this job in that city for this number of dollars? Yeah. And it's a great way, especially for people starting out and students and actually any photographer, it's a way of putting your name out in the world in a public manner. You know, it's a PR move, you know, and it doesn't have to be all of your money. But don't say, I'll never do editorial because they just don't pay well. Yeah. You know, there might be instances where you're going to do it because it's good on your resume. So you'll, you'll make that distinction. If New York Times Magazine came to you and say, I don't have a lot of money, but here's a you know great opportunity for you. Are you going to say no? Mm. You know, I don't think so. So Let's talk about the role of the printed portfolio because yeah. I know, I know for, for the students at, at the Art Center, that's a, a big preoccupation. But... Um, Nevertheless, whether you're going through art school or not, how big of a role does a portfolio have? And, and how much energy and, and angst should someone put over putting together the quote-unquote perfect book? A lot of energy into the perfect book. So a little history about portfolios in our business is that we started, Jason started this business because you had to have a portfolio. The web wasn't prolific at that point, right, so 15 years ago. And... Fast forward to today where um, it's a real electronic world, and we really believed by this point we wouldn't need printed portfolios. We geared our business purposely, starting other divisions, you know, that we thought, well, the print portfolio is going to go by the wayside, so we, we need to make sure that we're, we're prepared to still make a living, right? So we started the branding stuff, and we started adding um, a component for restaurants with menu covers, and um, just a way of being diversified. And what the interesting thing is, is that portfolios are still our biggest seller. So we're still kind of sitting here scratching our head. And we, ha I, I kid you not, I have photographers and they'll call me up and they'll go like, I'm in New York. And yeah, I got a website, but it doesn't matter here. I need 20 books. You know, there are some areas of the world where it still matters a lot. There's some areas where it doesn't. I don't think editorial is a big place where you're going to see a portfolio called in. I just don't. I think the ad world, you still see them. They're still an important role. It's not what it used to be. The portfolio was it. It was the way that you saw that person's work. It was the website. Mm -hmm. Now they go to the website and they judge whether or not they're even going to call in your book. So, oh, you, everybody has a website, but is it good? Yeah. So it's, you have to not only have importance on what's in that portfolio, your website better be good. And then when they get that portfolio, it better blow them away because that's how you win the job. And will it be forever that we have a printed portfolio? I don't think so. I mean, I'd be surprised, yeah. but we're still sitting here making portfolios. And how much you know? of it is that they're expecting to see something other than what they saw on the website in the portfolio? Well, I think that there is, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that it needs to be so diversified. They went to your website and they said, Hey, I saw that work, and um, and I and I need to bring it in so my client can see it and my creative can see it, um, and they have a reason for wanting to have that book in there because of the things that they saw on the website. Sometimes they will say it's for a particular job, and you're going to customize that book for them, mm. and and that's just as important. And you have to be ready and know your work well enough that you know how to edit those pieces out, okay. and that it's just as strong. So, you're talking about photographers' competition. Let's talk about yours and mm -hmm. what makes what you guys do at Brand Envy and Lost Luggage different from the host of other people that are offering the same similar services or product. Style. 
It's the number one thing. We are really aesthetically minded people. We really care about brand to the point where ad agencies and design firms come to us all the time for their RFP books, that we that they're happy that we have an inexpensive solution. You know, we are already selling to most photographers' target audience. We get that. We totally got that nailed down. And so, and, and, and I think we bring a quality of work and it's not a price point based and to the photography world. I also think that prior to us starting Brand Envy, there were a couple of consultants who charged ridiculous prices to get what's happening now with branding, but no one really was really honest about it. If you don't have a clear brand, you're nothing. You know, it was always a marketing tactic here and there. Mm-hmm. It was always looking at a bunch of sites, but it wasn't about branding. And that really was a, a differentiating factor about our business. Okay. It's just that word saying it's branding, it's business. And who's your who's your ideal client? Who do you get excited about seeing is going to be coming, you know, coming to you for help? If you if you had a somebody who's it's not about years of experience. It's about somebody who I I see their work and I'm just so jazzed by it, and they follow through. They actually do it. That's my ideal client because it pays off for them. I'm so excited, you know. That. And do you get photographers that come in? Come in there, they pay you all the money to do all this stuff, and they don't end up following through. And then they'll call me and they'll be really frustrated that something didn't happen their way. And I'll say, "Well, look, your what's your market? You know, we did all those things, and your marketing plan's done. What's your marketing plan now? You know." And they just kind of dismiss the fact that you still need a marketing plan, mm-hmm. you know. And they get and and some some of my photographers get frustrated if it doesn't like, you know, like gold coins fall out of the sky the minute they sent that thing out. They just can't believe it. They're just not realistic, mm. you know. I was like, he was like, look, it just doesn't work that way, you know. I think that you're this great, and this is the way to put you out in the world. And if you continue to do that, people are going to come and want to be a part of that. Yeah. So, but if you just do it once and you don't really follow through with it afterwards, it's like, it might as well never did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the last question I always ask is I ask uh, a guest to recommend or suggest one photographer out there whose work they're particularly excited about or they think that listeners should go and check out. So... I know you work with a lot of photographers, but... Oh, if I do that, then one's going to say, well, you mentioned me. Maybe I should say one that isn't a client, and that would be... That's cool. I really like what August Bradley done in terms of understanding his style. I thought he did an amazing job. He and I have talked several times, and he never chose to do brand envy and always do his own branding, but he did it. He, he understood the branding and he did it himself and that was great but he's done a beautiful job with developing that style and that brand and getting out there and being successful so I'd check him out I really would because he he took the time he cared about it he took the time and understood the process mm-hmm. so you don't have to work with me to understand that yeah yeah well thank you so yeah. much it was a pleasure to get a chance to talk with you again yeah my pleasure thanks again Thanks again for joining me for another episode of The Candid Frame. If you have any comments or suggestions, 
please drop me a line at thecandidframe at gmail.com. Post a message on the blog at thecandidframe.com or on the fan page on facebook.com. And if you haven't already, check out my other podcast, Shooting with Alas, which you can find at shootingwithalas.com or just click on the link on the Candid Frame blog page. Until next time, this is Ivarian Exparello, and this is The Candid Frame. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. photocastnetwork.com.